Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart. It's me and Greggy P this week in a 4th of July All-Star Game Spectacular. We recap this week in baseball, give out some mid-season awards, look over the All-Star Game rosters, and uh, give our reactions to that. We also talk about a little bit of the free agency action in basketball and hockey, so uh, stay tuned for that. But as always, please go like and share the podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, go check out thunderblogsports.com, our blog, where uh, we cover the wonderful world of sports, including my new series, The Nightly Roundup. Enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again. Welcome to this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, with me, as he has been since episode one. Whether you've heard him or not, he's been uh, providing his expertise Somewhere in the background, it is my man, Greg Piatelli. Greg, how are you? Jordy, I'm doing great. Uh, great weekend. This and Thanksgiving might be my two favorite holiday weekend. Uh, Thanksgiving for the obvious reasons. And uh, this one, again, different reasons, but still obvious. Still pretty uh, close. I mean, obviously America, but there's a lot of good food. Yeah, food and drinking and all that jazz. Um you know, it's it's great weekend, and it's you know most people have a day off. Me and you have to go to work, but or no, you have you have work off. Sorry, my mistake. It yeah, is what it is. You know, it is what it is. But again, my favorite holiday after Thanksgiving. It's a close close one too. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty nice. You alluded to it. I actually was supposed to work tomorrow and uh, ended up getting the day off. My office decided to close, so. Uh, Made a little trip up to Rhode Island and uh, decided to visit my grandfather, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, you know, Fourth of July is, is definitely one of my favorites as well. Just saw some awesome fireworks being shot off from a barge over the Atlantic Ocean. That was pretty awesome. Some uh, good feasting to be had tonight. Going fishing tomorrow, so hopefully that uh, yields another good feast. And then the, the big day itself, the 4th. Uh, look at you going back to the old roots of human society, huh? Yeah, I mean, you got to fend for yourself somehow. <laughs> you know, I mean, somebody, somebody's got to do it. Uh, here we go. Yeah, why not? Why not us? Anyway, why not, why not us? Trust the process. Oh, we'll we'll get to trust in the process. Oh, you're already getting me fired up. But let's uh, before we do that. The main reason we're here tonight, talking about a little baseball, it is the midseason, as you pointed out to me in our pre-show prepping. So we decided instead of the individual awards that we usually hand out every episode, we're going to do midseason awards. All-Star Game lineups were also announced tonight. Apparently there was a selection show. I missed out on this, but that was that seemed like a, it was a thing. Uh, but we'll, we'll go all into that. But we're going to start with hot and cold teams. And Greg, I think I already know what your hot team is. No, you don't. Um, no? Surprise. No, I, I didn't want to go with the standard hot team. Um, I mean, obviously the Red Sox being 7-3 in the last 10. Winners are their last uh, four or five here. Um, 
regaining first place. They're four games up on the Yankees in the win column. Yankees being in second. Um, you know, it, it seems a little too easy and obvious, and you and I are going to spend a ton of time talking about them moving forward. Um, but, you know, Ooh, then the, calling the, a the shot. Astros, I know. The Astros are also 7-3 and three in the last 10, and, and, you know, but I'm going nationally. You know, I feel like I always go with an American League team. Um, you know, I feel like a hot team of the week has to be a team that won six straight games. And that is the San Francisco Giants. Oh, my cold team last week. Picking yes. up. Really just going, you're buying at the bottom. I like it. So they swept the last two series after getting swept uh, by the Mets. But, you know, they swept the Rockies, swept the Pirates, uh, put up some runs, and their pitching kept runs to a minimum. So. You know, winner to six straight, uh, it's a week-to-week, strictly a week-to-week award as as you like to keep it. Um, you know, week is seven days long, and they have six wins straight. So I'm going to go on a limb and say pretty good week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice week. It's undefeated week. Uh, they certainly have bounced back at least a little bit off of that low. They're still... Uh, they're still in last. I think that won't be too long of lasting, given how the Padres have been playing. They're only two games back of the Padres at this point. And in reality, that's one win less and three more losses. Um, so that can easily be caught up as more and more games get played. Uh, but that's a great pick. Um, you know, you it's nice that you, you always like to go out of the box whenever you come on, which is... <laughs> Always appreciated. And, and like you said, you and I will talk about the Sox a lot, but it's worth mentioning they, they are now the winners of fourth straight after sweeping the Blue Jays, including dominant fashion today. But I'm sure we will uh, get to the finer points of that later on tonight. Yeah, and they, and they won three out of four against the Twins, who at the time were a first-place team. Yeah they're, yeah, they're no schlubs, that's for certain, uh, despite what their run differential might be. Ooh. Uh, but... I'm going to stick with the with the Houston Astros, who you mentioned, but they are seven and three in their last ten, the best record in baseball going into the All Star break at fifty six and twenty seven, a plus one twenty four run differential. That is the best in the American League, and second in baseball only to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are also winners of seven of their last ten, but. With me with the Astros, they're just such a complete team. That pitching staff isn't isn't as dominant as the as the uh, Dodgers are. Clayton Kershaw had a pretty great week. Um, would have definitely been a weekly Cy Young contender for our our award purposes, but we're not handing that out tonight. But I think the astounding thing about the Astros, Greg, just comes down to looking at home and home and road records. They were home this weekend, but. Their road record is twenty nine and nine. They've only lost nine games on the road. Do you know how many teams have, or even close to that? Not a lot. The closest to them is probably the Washington Nationals at twenty five and seventeen. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's just you know, it speaks that's volumes. impressive. And if you think about it, um, you know, I feel like. Who was someone? Someone recently, I feel like one of the, one of the teams that won the World Series had a had a similar road record. Uh, last, recently, uh, terrible memory, terrible terrible take by me. But uh, the that's Cubs were. I don't think the Cubs were the best on the road, but they had to win 
two road games to win the World Series last year. Um, yeah. I don't I think it was say, the, I, I don't think it was the maybe, Orioles, but no, it I want to say been. when the Red Sox won, they had an unbelievable road record. But that, that thirteen team, yeah, yeah, that could be. That could be. I mean, they were that team Listen, was just. We're not. Yeah, we're not taking anything away. I mean, the Twins, Jordy, the team we just mentioned. Yeah, uh, their record is significantly better on the road than it is at home. Their home record is is pretty minus, garbage. It's, Sub 500, and their road record is 10 games over 500. So the Twins would be, I feel like, the next closest team uh, in terms of road dominance. But uh, Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't see the 15. Um, great take. Great take by you. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with that is, is like you said, and kind of I tried to finish, that you need to be good on the road to win. And the fact that they're doing this, these young guys, as we'll get to, are all really starting to come together. It's it's looking pretty good for the Astros. They're 14 and a half games up on the LA Angels of Anaheim of California of the United States of the world. Um, but they, I mean, they're sitting pretty, pretty. And even if they start to concede a little bit of that division lead, which it's hard to see how they would, uh, they'll, they'll likely make the playoffs. You might as well just put them in right now. But that run differential, I think, is the is the big thing to talk about. There's a couple other teams that you could throw out that have even just the runs allowed that are out there, and they're teams that you think of with great pitching: the Red Sox, the Indians, the Nationals, like teams that have these guys that when you think that team and their pitching, you think Corey Kluber, you think Chris Sale, you think Max Scherzer. Granted, the Astros have a couple guys that you might think of. But to the casual fan, it, it does take a few seconds to think of those names. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is that uh, the Nationals, their starters are great. It's their bullpen that's Yeah, their bullpen's pretty bad. And, uh, you know. As proven by the, the Cubs earlier this week against them, splitting that series. Right. And the Red Sox come down to it. They have, you know, <laughs> they're piecing together a starting five here with all their injuries and what have you. But still, the point is, you're right, um, you know. They've been a team that you want to talk about trusting the process, rebuilding from the bottom. Uh, you know, the Astros they, are. They def- certainly did. Yeah, the definition of that. And, and that's, you know, the Royals method, the Dodgers, uh, the, the Astros method. You know, it's sort of now even the Dodgers um, currently doing it. You know, it's that sort of method and mold and, and model that uh, we alluded to on the first podcast and how many people are trying to build that way. Yeah. Um, you know, the Yankees now doing it with their all their young talent, the Red Sox in the middle of their of them doing it with their young talent. I feel like all over baseball everyone's going younger and building up uh that way, as yeah. opposed to a huge signing or a huge deal uh here and there. What's interesting is that there's like is that and the Red Sox are the perfect example of this of that the the major market teams can still go out and get a guy like a you know, granted they traded for Chris Sale, but they signed David Price, which you and I have talked about, the mixed feelings on that. They signed Craig Kimbrell. The Phillies are a team that when you think of trying to do that, they're certainly in the earlier stages of it. Um, but they have all this money sitting around from Comcast that they could go out and spend. The Yankees with all their young guys, and they're still spending a little bit, but they eventually will still be the Yankees and go out and get some dudes that they want that come out in free agency. Everybody's pretty sure that's going to be Bryce Harper. 
But the fact that there are these young guys that are coming up again, that renaissance of utilizing the minor league system, I think is it's awesome. It's good for baseball. Agreed. But cold teams, we kind of spoiled the Twins a little bit. They were going to be mine, um, so I'll, I'll pick someone else. Kind of on yours, I and I think I picked them as the co-cold team last week. I'm going to go with the Rockies. One and nine in their last ten. Surprisingly, they're still positive on their run differential. Being at Coors Field, um, they're still above 500, but they're seven games back of the Dodgers. They're in third place. Um, I believe they'd still be a wild card team, but where they're sitting, uh, they actually would be the number three seed if you just let them have it in the National League. But losing nine out of ten isn't a good spot to be in, and certainly not. Yeah, and and they've had a lot of individ- great individual performances, especially not to double back on it, but on that pitching staff. Um, but. It's certainly uh, not a good trend going into something like the All-Star break, even though it is only there is still another week. No, no. So I agree, you know, and, and, and especially in that division where, you know, we talked about it or maybe you talked about it. You know, the Twins are that type of team that started just like last year, start out hot, reach the All-Star break and fizzle and and. I don't want to say that's what's happening, but with Kansas City right on their heels and, and you know, all the, all the talent that they have, I feel like the Twins are hanging on for dear life and uh, certainly losing three out of four and then uh, losing two out of three in the last two series certainly didn't help. Yeah, what's crazy about the Twins is that they're not the best offensive team, um, but their pitching is Really, and the Red Sox kind of exploited this for parts of that series. And other teams have shown that they can as well, but their pitching is just terrible. In terms of teams in the American League, and I'm trying to see if if anybody has higher, they're the third worst team in terms of runs allowed. Their run differential is negative 59, which is the also third worst in the American League. Which means that they're really playing above where they should be. Uh, I would definitely sell short on them. Uh, and the Royals, I mean, they're starting to piece it together. That road record needs to be a little better. But, I mean, that you're right. That talent pool that they have either puts them in a position to be in a an interesting trade deadline discussion. Uh, but that's a couple weeks out. Or they're making a push to the American League Central because the Indians – for as great as they've been playing, haven't really started to hit the accelerator as much as you want them to. And it, it'll be interesting seeing how the, uh, the the AL Central sort of pieces out over the next month leading into the trade deadline. Very nice. Um, my cold team of the week, great take. Uh, I agree about the Royals. Um, and I can't wait to hear the pod about trade rumors. Because the Red Sox will certainly be involved in all of them. But my uh, cool team of the week is AL East, Toronto Blue Jays. You know, you're talking about an AL East that up until about a couple weeks ago, or not, even last week, was super, super close, super tight. Um, and now the Blue Jays, you know, yeah, they got swept. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They lost the last three or four series in a row here. You know, they, they are a team, and... and that you know, everyone expected them to, to do well again. 
Um, but in terms of, you know, the AL East and how tight it's been, you know, they're certainly trending the wrong direction as we head into the All-Star break and July 4th weekend, um, especially with the way the Red Sox are playing, the Yankees are playing, and even the Rays. You know, this is this is sort of that time where the top teams separate themselves. You know, you hit the All-Star break and the top teams separate themselves from the pack, and it becomes clear and obvious who's, you know, who is uh, – Who's going to make a late season run and who's not? And that's sort of what's happening now. You start to see it, um, and it certainly is going to make for some fun uh, second half of the year here. Yeah, for sure. And the the crazy thing about the Blue Jays with that lineup they have, and we'll get into Justin Smoke and how he's been playing, but they have scored, if I'm counting right, I think the fifth lowest amount of runs in baseball. And four of those teams are in the – actually, all those other teams are in the National League. So they have the lowest amount of runs in the American League coming into right now. And the four other teams are teams that you, you might expect to not have a lot of runs scored. The Giants, which we've talked about, and they're starting to at least look a little different. The Padres and the Phillies, um, that's three. Who was the fourth? Uh, so they're the fourth lowest. I, I apologize. I miscounted. Um but the Phillies, you, you and I have talked, they're in a very, very interesting spot in terms of that rebuild. The Padres weren't supposed to be any type of good, and the Giants just started off terribly for the year. So, I mean, that talent level and the bats they have, I mean, if you want to say they're facing good pitching because the Red Sox, while they're piecing everything together, they still played well. The Yankees' young guns on top of the the guys they have that are great have have played really well. The only team that really they they don't have an excuse against is Baltimore and and they're at least doing decently. How about the Rays though? The Rays are technically they're two games back of the Yankees, but they're tied in wins. They both have 43 wins. Uh, So I was was texting you about the Rays last week uh, if you remember. You were. uh, And they didn't get a mention on the the old pod, but um, the Rays, I mean, I was talking to you about it. The Red Sox have a four-game series with them right before the All-Star break. Uh, and depending on how the next three go for both teams, uh, that four-game series right before the All-Star break could be huge for the Rays and the Red Sox. Uh, big for the Rays in terms of gaining ground, not only in the Yankees, but the Red Sox in first. And if the Red Sox can take three out of four or two out of three, um from the Rays, then it just distanced themselves even more in the division. But yeah. that that little four game series coming up uh, right before the All Star break is certainly going to make things interesting. And and I feel like if the Rays can come away with either a majority win or you know three three out of four, or whatever, then you know they're they're not going away quietly. And they have the, they have those two bats that are just exploding right now. Yeah. Um. And and in terms of their lineup. You know, they've, they've always had quiet pitchers, just like you were talking about the Astros, you know, and, and it's something that we touched on in the preview. But uh, it's one of those things where the Rays are certainly a team to be to look out for. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, Dickerson named an all-star today. Yeah. We can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get to him. But let's move on to the individual side. We'll go on to the uh, midseason awards. We'll start American League since uh, – I'm in American League territory, technically speaking. We'll go uh, American League, Roy Hobbs, first half MVP. Who do you got, Matt? Or not Matt, Greg. It's late. 
Um, nothing pains me more than to say what I'm about to say. Oh. Nothing pains me more. Okay. I feel like it's so hard not to give the American League first season, first half MVP to Aaron Judge. That's pretty hard to, to deny the to deny the young gun. I mean, he's what leading the, leading the league in the AL and batting average, home runs, and RBIs right now. Yep. Um, you know, it's <laughs> his numbers are off the charts. His impact on every game that he plays is off the charts. Um, you know, something I was surprised by was was. His defensive ability, you know, for being a guy that big, he he moves pretty quick. He does. He's actually surprisingly quick. Um, but yeah, so he would be my first half MVP um, for the American League. You know, I I thought about different different options, but um, you know, a guy like Craig Kimbrell with twenty three saves, um, you know, that's and his ERA being what it is, you know, how low it is, it's it's. The only tough part is, again, go back to the old bullpen name. Um, you know, bullpen gets no love, and that's just the way it is. But, yeah, Aaron Judge, hard to say no to him, but he definitely has, uh, based on statistics, earned the first half MVP. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to not give it to him. I was going to uh, try to refrain because I thought you might get him. Uh, my, I'm going to go... Onto the Astros, I'm actually going to pick Carlos Correa for mine. He's batting 319, on-base percentage of 394, slugging percentage of 554. He has 17 homers, 58 RBI, which is second to Judge in the American League. Um, actually, is uh, would be like fifth or sixth in the National League if you uh, or league wide if you add it up. 58 RBI is not second to Judge. Well, Judge has Judge is like sixty-two. Yeah, but Cano has sixty, and Nelson Cruz is fifty-nine out in Seattle. Ah, uh, ah, there. Well, here's I. So you're right. Uh, I ordered them by hits here, uh, so I was. They have so few hits that they did not pop up on the ESPN top fifty in hits. So uh, Uh-oh. that's a uh, that's a little that's a little bad on me, but I guess uh, get get more hits. You guys in Seattle, <laughs> that's on you. Hit the ball more, um, but so that's a little little bad, little bad baseball. But it's okay, Jordy. It's okay. We'll cut that. Yeah, we'll cut uh, that. no, we'll leave it in. They need to know that that we're human. Um, <laughs> I think people know. Yeah, <laughs> if you saw me, you'd know. If you if you saw me, you'd know. But Carlos Correa, um, seventeen overs, seventeen doubles, a triple. He uh, has zero stolen bases, which actually kind of surprises me. He seems like a quick guy. Um, you'd want to see him maybe walk a little more, but he's such a good fielder. He, uh, he's he got that war that's 3.9, which, to give an idea, Aaron Judge's is 4.8, which is incredible. Um, but anyone else up in this, this higher part of the – you know, ESPN numbers. Joey Votto is is three point seven, and that's pretty obvious why. 
especially comparatively to the rest of his team. Jose, Altu- Jose Altuve, Correa's uh, teammate, is at 3.8. I almost picked him, but those, especially where he bats in the lineup, those uh, power numbers are a little lower. But 16 stolen bases, a 326 average. He's only a couple points behind Judge. Actually, one point at this uh, period of time. Uh, and, and has more hits. But, you know, um, I mean, Correa, he's he's one of those young guns that we were talking about that is now an all-star and is uh, really making an impact. Agreed. You know, that's a good pick. Um, you know, I, I underrated pick. I don't think, you know, if this was the end of the season, I think he's one of those guys that might get 10 first-place votes and a whole bunch of second-place votes. But uh, yeah, I think Judge. Yeah, he's pretty unanimous. Has proven it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, uh, but yeah. you know, what are you gonna do? But let's move on to uh, yeah. first half Cy Young. I think this one's also pretty obvious. But Greg, I'd like to hear you defend it. Uh, Chris Hill. Yep. <laughs> pretty obvious. Um. Now the only person that. You could make a case for is Jason Vargas yep. from the Royals, uh, just because he has more wins and a better ERA. Um, but you know, you look at some of the games that Chris Sale has pitched the Red Sox, especially in the beginning of the year, he was losing one nothing games, two to one games. You know, his his run support has been nowhere um, all year. Um, but in terms of his impact for the team, in terms of you know the best pitcher in the Cy Young Award for the first half. Um, I certainly am going to choose Chris Sale. Just you know, his strikeout numbers are off the charts. His yeah. ability to go deep in games. Um, you know, in the month of July, or sorry, the last two. Uh, you know, recently, he's been lights out. Um, you know, let's see. Uh, let up zero runs, one run, three runs, run one, one run. You know, he's just been on fire since. Uh, since June, um, all year really, but you know he's the type of guy that for the Red Sox has been consistently their best player pitcher uh, and and as well in the American League. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, you say more wins, but Vargas only has one more win. Vargas has over <laughs> less than half the strikeouts that Chris Sale has. He also has more walks in. Uh, granted, it's in less innings pitched, but. He his whip and like this is this is the big thing on the innings pitch stat. Chris Sale has thrown almost twenty more innings than than Jason Vargas in one extra start, and Chris Sale's whip is twenty two points lower. I mean that's insane. Yeah, and he has and he has double the strikeouts of him. That's awesome, and he's been killing it. And you know he. Will probably be the or should be the starter. You should get the nut, but I would think, game, yeah. But uh, you never know. Yeah, I would think. I mean, it's really hard to, to try to pick another guy. Uh, Vargas is one with that two point two two ERA. It's you can't knock that. It's it's tough. Um, there's an obvious NL one, but there's actually a good discussion on it. Uh, looking at some other guys, Lance McCullers is at two point six nine. 15 starts, but really not a lot of innings pitched. That's why he only has seven wins. Um, Irvin Santana, 
has had a good season so far, but we already talked about the Twins, and his numbers aren't really that impressive. He has a 3.07 ERA, uh, 10 wins, 1.09 whip. You Darvish had a pretty good year so far. Uh, he's been healthy, which is good for that Texas team. Um, they just got Cole Hamels back on a side note. Uh, the Cleveland pitchers, though, are starting to come on. Corey Kluber is starting to have uh, some of those dominant Corey Kluber type of starts, so he might be somebody to look out for on the second half, but certainly not dominant enough to warrant anything to get close to Chris Sale. Agreed. You know, I... Not gonna argue. Not gonna hear an argument for me. Yep. All right. Do we even need to? <laughs> do we need to even talk about rookies in the American League? Uh yeah. I mean Andrew Andrew Benatendi. Oh Benatendi. Little little Benatendi. No, and it judges the MVP. He's got to be the rookie of the year as well. Yeah, exactly. I was I was gonna maybe throw a little shout to his uh, pitching contemporary in New York of Jordan Montgomery, who's had a pretty good season so far for rookie campaign. Six and four. Uh, the record doesn't really speak to the pitching. Eighty-four strike or eighty-three strikeouts and eighty-seven innings of work. That's some pretty. That's pretty good. A three-point-six-two ERA. Uh, you know, I mean, you'd hope for for better numbers, but he's a rookie. You know, rookie mistakes. True. Yeah. Hey, that's why it's rookie of the year, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to the NL. League, huh? Yeah, well, NL. You uh, you want to go or do you want me to go? Yeah, so my MVP for the first half uh, is from Arizona, Paul Goldschmidt. My man. Love that guy. Um, yeah, big fan. The Red Sox uh, <laughs> would love to have him, obviously. Um, but, you know, he's got uh, close to 100 hits. He's got 19 home runs, 66 RBIs. Um you know, three, he's hitting 316. His, you know, you're a big WAR guy, so uh, you'd have to tell me his WAR stats. Um, it's 4.2. It's pretty good. Leading, leading the National League here, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's leading in a lot of categories. Uh, it's a great pick. Certainly a, uh, excuse me, bit of a trade bait if the Diamondbacks don't really write the ship, or if the Dodgers just really start pulling away. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be different. I wanted to, uh, you know, I know Bryce Harper is going to get a lot of love. and, and uh, No, 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 I like it a lot, yeah. And, I mean, Harper's – the thing about Bryce Harper is he's almost too good that you, like – you want to talk about all these other guys in the National League because you've come to this point where National League has so many guys that are just coming out, are dominating, are doing really well. I mean, we could talk about Joey Votto. We could talk about Marcelo Zuna. And, I, I mean, that's not my pick. They aren't yours. DJ LeMayhew's having a nice, is putting together a nice year. Um, but Harper is is one where he definitely is going to get a ton of love and he'll get a, a lot of votes. 20 homers and 62 RBI with a 317 average. He'll certainly do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no, I like the, uh, like the change-up there. It was good. Thank you. So who's your MVP? I'm going to go. I'm going to go Charlie Blackman. Ooh. Yeah, he's leading the NL in total number of hits, not in batting average, because he has more at-bats. Doesn't really walk a ton. There's only about 53 points of a difference in terms of average to on-base percentage. 
usually want to see a little more. Uh, usually, to give you an idea, you want to do 300, 400, 500 in terms of your average on-base percentage slugging percentage. So his uh, OPS is a little low for some people's likings. But his slugging percentage is pretty awesome, 572, 17 homers. He also has double-digit stats in triples and doubles, 10 triples which I don't even see anyone that's close on this list of hitters uh, that I pulled up on ESPN. And 17 doubles, which does not lead by even any close margin. But he does. But it's still a good amount, and that slugging percentage is pretty awesome. Um, you can say what you will about Colorado and Coors Field and all that stuff, but the 10 triples, I think, is, is a pretty big stat, especially with only five stolen bases. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is impressive. Certainly, triples are few and far between. So to have ten in, in eighty just over games, 80, yeah, yeah, just over eighty eighty one games is is absurd. So yeah, but we'll keep it moving. Let's go to National League Cy Young. I think this one's pretty obvious too, but it's it's worth having discussion of other guys. Greg, who do you got? Max Scherzer. Yep. <laughs> um. You know, obviously, Kershaw's got the wins, and Granke certainly has, is doing his thing. Um, but Max Scherzer, uh, you know, it's just been too dominant. Um, you know, that team is doing too well, and to be the best pitcher on the best team, certainly, and numbers to back it up, uh, certainly warrants your name to be in consideration here. Yeah, I mean, he's... Second only to Chris Sale in strikeouts at 163. That's well on his way to a 300 strikeout season. In 17 starts, he has a whip of .78 and nearly 120 innings pitched and an ERA sub-2, um, which the closest is Vargas at 2.22 that at least I can see. Um, and I mean, shit, that's just really good stuff. And like you said, dominant on a good team, and he wouldn't even need to have a team that has Bryce Harper or Ryan Zimmerman and, and all those guys, Trey Turner when he's turning it on, uh, stealing all different types of bases and whatnot. Um, I mean, it's one of those nights, there's the there's the old saying about number one starters that the bullpen knows they're going to get a nice day off, and you see Scherzer's name in the, uh, on the marquee, and <laughs> I'm sure there's only one or two bullpen guys that know they might be getting the call later than the game. Do the, do the Nationals have uh, any starters that the bullpen's like uh, worried about pitching going too early? Yeah, uh, probably not. Uh, anyway, that's a yeah. different discussion. Yeah, yeah so, so yeah, I mean, I like Scherzer, and, and I think we're in agreeing, agreement. Um, I, yeah. I do think, and you mentioned Kershaw, he's starting to have some more of those Clayton – Old school Clayton Kershaw-esque dominant starts. So that similar to Kluber, if they get on and they're really going, it might be something to look out for. But he's still 28 strikeouts behind Scherzer for that crown. And similar innings pitch, so very similar there. But the whip also is sub one. Um, he actually walks less batters than Scherzer. But I think uh, he's a little more hittable, which... You know, give you know, look one way or the other. Control versus hitting. I think Kershaw tries to go for the strikeouts a little more and just doesn't get quite as much. I mean, that's just my 
looking at stats and, and not really sitting down and watching a ton of both of them pitch. I love watching them both, but you know they don't play the Phillies every night, so it's hard for me to see it on TV. Uh, but he's probably the closest, I'd say, to, to running running uh, Scherzer for his money. Yeah, and I mean, certainly don't want to take anything away from Kershaw. He's having a great year as well, but um, you know, Scherzer certainly is certainly is the scion first half in the National League. Yeah. So let's move on to rookies. Who would you have for National League rookie, Greg? Well, I thought about Dansby Swanson, your boy. Ooh. Ooh. But uh, I'm going to go Cody Bellinger. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah, Bellinger. Uh, yeah, we've talked about him a lot on the pod, and he, uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's got the gun. He's got the bat. I mean, he's he's going to be a mainstay in that Dodger outfield for a long, long time. Yeah, and you know his power numbers are there, and and he's you know. What do you think about him being? In, do you think he'll be in the Hill uh, Home Run Derby, or are they doing this new format where people pick or whatever? I don't know, actually. I mean, I haven't looked too much at the Home Run Derby. I know that John Carlos Stanton said he was going to play, um, which is interesting. Um, Why? Uh, well, um, I mean, he's John Carlos had an interesting year, I would say. Um, he's, as we mentioned, he's not necessarily right up there, but you know, good for him that he's going to defend it. Sometimes you see with these types of uh, sort of marquee all-star break uh, events, you most you more see it with the dunk contest in the NBA, but sometimes players will. Kind of just opt out of it, you know. Infamously, LeBron's never done it. Um, sometimes the def- the defending champion decides not to do it. And yada yada yada. They don't even get chosen. Or remember, they had the team format in the in the uh, home run derby for a long time. Um, I personally like the timing that they've changed it to. I think that's made it way more exciting, and it also just doesn't drag on. True. True. Um, Great segue if you're, I mean, after your rookie of the year, or rookie, first half rookie of the year into the All-Star game. Yeah, the All-Star game lineups got announced today. Uh, some interesting picks. You and I were talking about this a little bit off air, but Greg, who uh, who do you like? Who don't you like? Give me your thoughts. Well, um... <laughs> I mean, I've never been a fan of fans voting starters uh, for any sport. Um, no, simply, I, I'm not either. Yeah, I mean, simply because you get things like Mike Trout has been hurt the whole year as a starter, you know, yeah. and little things like Salvador Perez starting when, you know, reality is Gary Sanchez has had a better year. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's some of those things are frustrating. Uh, when fans pick starters, and um, my biggest question to you, which is a little quiz, well, Stump the Jordy, my first question of the Stump the Jordy night for the All-Star game, there's going to be a couple of them. Yeah. Um, is it still... Explain who picks the reserves, for those who may not know. Yeah, so, so how it works is the starters are voted on by the fans... And basically, the reserves and the pitching staff is chosen, I believe, by the manager. 
Um, there's, it, I don't think it's like the NBA where they where the players get to vote too. Um, I think the manager who's the manager from the previous World Series, so it's Cleveland's manager whose name is not in my mind. Um, and Joe. Oh shit! Yeah, Tito. Um, wow, that's real big faux pas. Um, and the uh, the graduate from that college in Easton, Pennsylvania, from the Cubs. Um, I'm just kidding. I know Joe Madden Lafayette is where he went to school. They stink. Boo. Anyway, but so the two managers, I believe, along with their coaching staff, who. Again, that's also a little weird because it's managers of other teams. So probably you might see John Farrell in there. You might see Joe. You might see uh, what's the Yankees guy? Um, you might see him in there. Uh, but I believe <laughs> uh, I'm just not going to help you at all because yeah, the Jordan names. It's late. It's it's almost July third. It's it's late on July second, and I drove up for five hours today. But uh. Excuses, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, t- you know, tired is tired. I'm performing tired. Hopefully, this is Anyways, a good podcast. You answered, you answered the question. So, so the man, so the manager picked. So Francona picked, and the only uh, the only caveat is he has to have one player per team, which comes into some of these picks. Which, if we really want to dive into, we can look at who they might have snubbed to try to fill a position, but they had to fill a, a roster requirement from one team. Uh, the one that sticks out to me is uh, Yonder Alfonso from the A's. What I think, granted, Miguel Sano has had a great year, but you could have easily taken Ryan Healy from the A's, and that could have fit that position really, really simply. Um, but like I said, you have to fill under the roster. Uh, well, it's, it's, obvious Frank, it's obvious that Frank Cona did it because you look at how many Cleveland Indians are on this team, and it's just like – you know, when there are guys out there who are having good years that got overlooked simply because, you know, Frank Cohn is out here putting his entire Cleveland team on here. But besides the point, um, were you surprised that there's only one, if I have this correct, one Chicago Cub player and none of them are starters? Not necessarily. Um, I mean... And it's, a, and it's a relief pitcher. It's not even... Yeah, it's, it's not even, it's not even, even starting names. pitchers. It's not even, but it's not even one of the big names. It's, it's, Wade it's Davis, yeah. Uh, no, not, not necessarily. Because um, think about it. Who would have gotten the nod? The only one I can think of, which I'm glad he got the start. And I, I could, you could have also, you could have made the argument to put Chris Bryant at first base last year if you really wanted to get technical. And have Nolan Arenado start at third. But I'm glad that he won the vote off of Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's had a decent year. But Arenado has been one of the best third basemen in baseball for a long time. And I, I mean, I'd say this for the last couple of years. But it's nice to see him get that nod from the fans as well. Which, like you were saying with Salvador Perez, with Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the prime example of this. That the fans have the players that they know and the faces of baseball, which is something on a much more macro level of baseball doing well amongst the four major sports of needing to have these faces. But the fact that you can beat out a guy in Colorado can beat out Chris Bryant, this guy who constantly makes the news either for how great he's been or in different endorsements he's had through the Cubs in the world series. And even before that, it's nice to see. And it's, it's nice to see that recognition. 
Yeah, no, and that's, uh, yeah, I think that was my biggest surprise. You asked me for my biggest surprise. That was my biggest surprise. Um, and we can break down the roster more moving forward, but biggest surprise definitely was the lack of Chicago Cubs on the team uh, and the fact that I've never liked, um, never liked the whole fans voting for first place and all that. Yeah, and, and your your point on Cleveland is is somewhat right. I would say uh, I don't know if I'd necessarily give like Michael Brantley an outfield spot. He's had a good year, but there are other outfielders that you could give it to, especially because there's only three outfield reserves. One of whom, and I'm sure this is part of your your qualm with it, is that Mookie Betts is a is a reserve and he's not a starter. He should be along with. George Springer, who's had a great year. We didn't even mention him in terms of uh, midseason MVP candidates. And Aaron Judge. It should be Mookie, Judge, and Springer in the outfield. Trout should be replaced. I'm sure Mookie will start in his place because of the injury. But, um, yeah, I mean, looking at, just looking at some of the other Indians on, on your point, uh, Lindor deserves to be there. You can make an argument for a couple other shortstops in the AL, but uh, – yeah, like Xander Bogarts. Yeah, Alexander Bogarts could be. I mean, the thing is, is is that you also have to – the fan vote is really what kind of fucks it up, is that the fact that you have um, you have Correa there who – I mean, I, I would say he deserves to be the starting shortstop. Um, you know, I picked him as my uh, as my MVP. But it's, it's one thing where you have to build the roster by oh so many positions and then they all get subbed in in the fifth inning. So, like, you have to kind of work that way. Oh, yeah, that thing. I forgot about that. That was the... Well, the crazy thing is going to be that there's... On a quick count, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine starting pitchers. Some of them are going to pitch next weekend and are going to say, I'm not pitching in the All-Star game. So basically, that's almost the same as them being hurt. So the All-Star rosters, and this is the crazy thing nowadays with the All-Star game. And don't get me wrong, the Major League Baseball All-Star game is one of my favorite things in baseball and sports. It's part of the best month of the year, July. But the All-Star game now, because of injuries and because of this, you know, we started, so I'm not I'm not going to pitch and they declare that. And the whole it counts stuff, um, which that in and of itself is stupid. But they have to replace them. So the All-Star game lineups become like 40, 45 people. And you'll see some of these guys that we're going to right now call snubs or say, why are these all these people here? But who knows? You might see Corey Kluber's pitch on Friday – and you know Terry Francona is not going to pitch him again, so you know who knows. Yeah, and and you're right, and it's just and there's three three relievers. Like, what are you doing? There's no need for that many starting pitchers, and and they're not. You're right, they're not gonna. You know, they're certainly not going to. Um, not all of them are going to show up, or they'll show up and they're not going to pitch. So it's like, what's the point of even going? So my next stump the Jordy question. Okay. Stump the Jordy question. If you get selected 
but don't actually go to the game, does, are you considered an all-star? And but, if you get if you're a replacement player, do you is are you technically an all-star? So the second question, yes, that does count as an all-star selection um, for hockey, for basketball, for football, and for baseball. It's always Pro Bowl selection, All-Star Game selection. Um, to just follow-up question for your first one. Do you mean like for Mike Trout, for instance, like he was hurt, but he cannot play in this All-Star Game? Does that count as an All-Star selection? Right. So exactly. So someone like Trout, or let's say you know Tom Brady gets elected to the Pro Bowl and then chooses not to go. And or, decides not to go. So, or this last year, they were in the Super Bowl, so he didn't go. No, I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about all the other years that he got selected and chose not to go. Yeah, I believe it does count. I know. Um, I pretty. Uh, I know. Uh, I think Martin Brodeur had this a lot in hockey. He wouldn't. He either wouldn't go or he'd be hurt and like would never. Sh- I think he's gone to a few hockey All Star games, but you still count it at the, at the end of the day. You say, oh, he's selected the All Star game oh so many times. I think with baseball, though, because of how the teams are chosen, I think it might be the same with hockey that, like, injured players get recognized. Um, that it's something like that. Um, like, Trout, I'm sure, will be there and be like, oh, Hurd tips his cap to the people because that's basically what Trout – I mean, like we said, Trout's basically the face of baseball. So he'll be there. He'll, he'll give the Miami people a nice little hello. Uh, but I, I, I do believe it does count as an all-star selection for him. So, okay. But that's because he got hurt. But what about someone who just, like, turns it down? See, I don't know. I, I think for – I know for the Pro Bowl, they definitely count it. Like, Peyton Manning never showed up. Tom Brady hasn't. Like, at the same time, though, the, the Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Um, but I, I think they still count it. I don't think you see it as much with baseball, which is why I'm not giving you a more definite definite answer. Um, and same thing with basketball and football or basketball and hockey. Because the weird thing with football is like is that it's at the end of the year. It's not in the middle of the season. So like some people are either in the Pro Bowl or they lost in their respective conference champ or in the Super Bowl and they or they lost in their respective conference championships. So they're kind of just they, they don't really want to do anything about football at that point. With the other sports, I think they still go because even if you're in dead last and you're your team's only representative, it's just kind of fun to be amongst your peers and in that that light, you know. No, I agree with that. And uh, sorry to get you off topic there, but uh, no, 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 it's a good question because I've never thought of it that way. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys who get selected or or. or um, choose not to go like do, do they still count as an all-star selection um but anyways yeah so let me ask you a question jordy about this this all-star uh lineup here uh another stuff to jordy this year are they still doing the whole mm, world series host thing it is yeah it still counts and um Rob Manfred is is very adamant on keeping it that way. He does not want to change it, which I don't get. Like, I get the whole Bud Selig had to do the shrug in Miller Park when he used to own the team, and now he's baseball commissioner, and he doesn't know what to do. But 
it's just such a weird, weird rule. Like, I, I don't get why it's there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, I like it because it gives it some competition, but at the same time... You didn't you need to make at, it more competitive. It was always the best All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, you know, like, hockey now, they're playing for cold, hard cash, and and that certainly makes things very competitive. Well, that's... <laughs> I mean, straight cash, homie, is you know pretty big incentive. <laughs> yeah, um, but not here nor there. What do you think about the uh, the one Philly selection? Yeah, Pat Neshak. He, um, you actually had texted me when the Phillies and Red Sox were playing each other. He's the sidearm thrower, Greg. Yeah, he's 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 got the weirdest weirdest motion possible, and I think it's going to be one of those things that. Uh, that Joe Madden's going to love to put out there in a big spot just to, just to freeze the hitter, especially someone who's never seen him before. Well, the crazy thing about him is that he, and this kind of gets into some of the discussions we've had about the Phillies before, earlier in this year with Pete McCannon. Um, they've had him in a weird spot where they haven't used him a ton, but when they have used him, and they used him a lot more recently, uh, but in the first month and a half, they weren't really using him a ton, but he was dominant when they would. And he still has been pretty great. Um, of course, the Phillies have had their issues. And uh, Neshik has been okay. Um, but he's still probably probably the best selection you could have done. Aaron Altair kind of faltered coming coming down the stretch. And just looking at some of the, the reserves for outfield, it's tough to put him over guys like a Michael Conforto, Ender Inciarte, Giancarlo Stanton, Corey Bellinger, it's tough to fit him in there and, and put in another pitcher because, you know, why not have a ton of pitchers, you know? Agreed. I think from the starting lineup, it's, it's hard not to be upset that, well, it's, at least in the National League side, it's, it's not. It's hard not to be upset with what you got. I think, though, the whole Mookie thing, I mentioned it before, not being a starter, that, that's tough to take. Um, the one that you actually, you and I had talked about a little bit, was Justin Smoke at first base. Uh, the fact that they're, you know, you could have easily put Miguel Cabrera, you could have put a few other guys at first base to start. Um, the the one who actually does get chosen is Yonder Alfonso as the backup first baseman from Oakland, uh, who's had a pretty good year. But yeah, I think no, that first Cabrera, base in the American Cabrera League is didn't even make it. yeah yeah Cabrera didn't even make it. I mean he's had an okay season so far. That's what we were kind of talking about before. Yeah, Texas. You're talking, you're talking about a guy who in year past and even now people consider him the the most uh, like the best one of the best hitters of all time like in terms yeah. of his ability to see the plate and see the ball like and Pujols I feel like I've always been up there as like some of the best hitters of all time yeah no no, no that's that's for sure and Pujols is someone who almost is even the, the sort of John Wayne winning for uh, True Grit or Leo winning for uh, The Revenant Give him almost that that kind of honorary for Albert Pujols. This is honorary All Star, which he might get for hitting 600 home runs. Who knows how much gas is really left in the tank? It seems like he's uh, lost some steam recently. But 
I mean, there's other ones that are a little little interesting as well. Again, you, you kind of have to look at this whole one player per team rule and see how they fit in. Because you have guys like uh, Yavisal Garcia. Uh, I apologize for mispronouncing your name, but from the White Sox. Um, I mean, he's listening. He's listening too, so he's gonna oh, he's yeah, gonna he's reach pissed. out to the bullpen card pod. And uh, he's going to make sure that you pronounce his name correctly the next time. Oh, uh, man. If he does, oh, man. Going straight to the top, Greg. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, that, that whole rule is, it's it's necessary and it's good to have. But it, it right. does make constructing these lineups interesting. And, I, I mean, a lot of these snubs are going to be probably resolved in the next week and a half. Sorry, was that rude? Because uh, I don't know. I, I don't want you to take that uh, uh, as a slight to you. That was more of a uh, hey. If a, if a major league baseball all star is one of the, like the thirty viewers we get a week, that's pretty fucking good. So I agree. Uh, uh, listen, I think uh, <laughs> I I personally think that uh, you're right. I think that um, you know. The bullpen card is certainly something that needs to be uh, more recognized. Um, but the All-Star game, fun time. I'm excited for it. What are we, uh, less than a week away now? Or No, no. Yeah, it's like so it's going to be – Home Run Derby is going to be on Monday. Uh, the All-Star game itself is Tuesday, uh, the 10th and 11th of July. So you should be listening to this on Monday the 3rd if you are. It's a week from tonight. Uh, Monday the 10th is the Home Run Derby. Tuesday, the 11th, is the All-Star Game. And then usually Wednesday is when the NBA and NHL usually make their big announcements of the schedule and all the different special games. Usually the NHL Outdoor Games are announced, which haven't fit. I don't think we're officially announced, but the NHL schedule came out, which usually it came out that day. The NHL tried to capitalize on it, and I don't know if they were all hyped up in the nights and all that stuff and but I'm a little bummed that it won't be coming out that day. Maybe they'll announce some some outdoor games, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, the NHL has been a very exciting time with the Knights and all the trades and everyone switching teams this week. It's been a it's been a wild free agency for the NHL, and I have not been able to follow uh, everything, but it's been unbelievably uh, exciting, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll cover it quickly, uh, probably in a few minutes, but let's – Quickly cover our two teams. We talked a little bit about the Red Sox, but Greg, what's what's your take been since we last spoke? Yeah, I mean, I, I've uh, I've been saying it all along. You know, the uh, the Red Sox they're going to be there in the end, and um, my hope is that they win the division to make it easy on themselves. They'll have to do that stupid play-in game, which um, certainly not a fan of, as we've talked about. But um, I think it needs to be a three-game series. Yeah, ooh, that sounds good. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, the Red Sox went out and got Doug Fister, which is, you know, a staple of, uh, the Detroit Tigers back in the day. Yeah. Um, but it helps sure up some of their, he's not, let's say, he, he's going to be one of those pitchers that he's going to be what he is, and he's not going to make any qualms. He's not going to be like Drew Pomerantz, whose one game is the, is the, lights out pitcher that they got and the next game is the guy that gives up seven home runs in a in a minute. You know, he's yeah. Fister's consistent and, you know, 
it's like Tim Wakefield back in the day. Every five day, every five starts, you knew what you were going to get out of them. For sure. Um, so for that, on that on that level, you know, until they get some of their guys back and uh, until they make a huge trade, hopefully, and pick up uh, a third baseman, since Pablo Sandoval is at this point uh, all but gone, hopefully. Um, that's what we're praying for here in Boston. But um, the big news which I'm not sure if you've been following, Jordy. The big news is David Price got in another altercation with a Boston media member, this time Dennis Eckersley. Oh, my God. Good luck with that. Him, Price and Eckersley were going apparently toe-to-toe on, a, on, a, on the Boston plane um, out to the series that they just finished in the um, – Toronto? Yeah, Toronto. So they uh, apparently went toe-to-toe the, the, like, the night after Price started and had a great outing. Oh, my God. I did not see that. Holy shit. So what do you think they're going to do going forward? I mean, do you think David Price is, is going to stick around, or, or what do you think? I mean, he signed that big contract and everything and what have you, but, you know, he, he certainly – um, it's tough because he's starting to pitch well enough that you know he's earning that that uh, that contract a little yeah. bit. Everyone, I mean, I don't want to speak for all the fans, but I've always rooted for David Price and hope that he would do well here. Um, and I feel like that's the case for most Red Sox fans. Yeah. Um, the biggest problem is that you know it, the attitude is good. Of, a couple of weeks ago, he, he came out and said that he didn't want – he's only going to talk to media on the days or after the day he pitched. You know, he, that was the only – he was only going to talk to the media once uh, every five days, and that was when he pitched. That was it. And then he turns around and, and now gets in a toe-to-toe match with Dennis Eckersley, which, as you said, is, is never a – Never a smart, like, good luck, no. you know, never yeah, a smart luck. move. So um, it's a tough thing because certainly the reaction in Boston from all the local uh, sports guys is that David Price does not want to be here at all. Um, but, you know, for me and I think the rest of the fans, I think uh, we want to see him do well. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he does. I mean, uh It'd be nice. I think that once he gets more consistent and Rick Porcello gets a Godin, I think you guys are in a in a nice spot. Agreed. So, uh, do you want to go ahead and give the Phillies talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quickly, the Phillies had an interesting week. Um, you know, they went out to Seattle, got a sweep there, which is great, especially a clawed out win on Wednesday where they came back in the ninth and ultimately won. Um, unfortunate series against the Mets this weekend. Um, they didn't play particularly well on Friday. Saturday, the pitching really, really just got, got away from them and the Mets capitalized. But then they had a great game today. They won 7-1. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good opportunities there. The first, I think, 500 plus week in quite some time. Uh, they've won now 
two series in a row, which is it's something, something to be happy about. And I think you're facing a Pirates team that's coming in cold this week at home. You might be able to uh, put together a little streak right before the All-Star break. It'll be interesting to see with Neshek, because we talked about it before, of what they ultimately do with him, because that had been always thrown around, that he might be some All-Star game or uh, some trade deadline bait. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. So are you throwing in the towel officially on this season? Not as, I mean, like, there was no expectation of the playoffs. So by throwing the towel, uh, I mean, there was no expectation there. Um, I'm a little disappointed on where they are at this point. And the frustrating thing is that they've scored more runs and let up less runs than the Padres. So not only is the run differential better, but it's drastically better. And the Padres have won 10 more games than them. So, I mean, there, there's some unluckiness. There's some luckiness on the Padres' end. And, I mean, at times they, they don't play good baseball. There's some bad coaching. There's there's some stuff going on there. The, the, the process for the Phillies is certainly uh, going, if you will. Yeah, no, and, and uh, that's – I don't know. I, I Like you said, they have all this money. They have some young talent. You know, what are they waiting for, I guess? Yeah. They're starting to call up some guys. They called up Nick Williams, an outfielder prospect, this weekend. Uh, I don't have his line of how he did, but they're starting to move some pieces around, and I think you might start to see it a little more once September comes around and they can get that 40-man roster going. You might be able to see it a little more, depending on what they do at the deadline. I wouldn't have been a big fan, and I'm still not, of trading Franco or Herrera. But, you know, if, if that's what you want to try to open it up, uh, you could. I, I wouldn't be a fan to that. But those are ways that you could try to accelerate that, bring them up quickly. Uh, there's definitely a little bit of gun shyness uh, to not wanting to bring up anybody early. And I think that's they're a little too gun shy there. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think September is when you'll start to see guys coming up, and then next year you'll really have a super young team. But I think posting a 500 season for the Phillies is still a few years out. I'm still hopeful for 2020, though. 2020, huh? I've said it for years. You heard it here first on the bullpen cart. I said it in the blog last year. What episode was this? Uh, the Fourth of July spectacular. There it is. There it is. First. Uh. Um. So yeah, I mean, quickly, you know, back to back to the fills. Um. So who do you think? Who do you want the next prospect to be? Mm. Called up. I think Jorge Alfaro, the catching prospect. He. It's interesting because he's had. An, Interesting season so far in the minors. Uh, you have some guys that are killing the ball in AAA that would be fun to see, but the question then becomes who do you replace for them? With Rupp and Andrew Knapp, they're certain, neither of them have really been mainstays, and they've been platooned a ton. So it'll be – I mean, it's tough, though, because both of them, you're not going to trade them, and, and you probably aren't going to cut them. So Alfaro might be next year, but that would be something I'd be pretty excited about. Um, Dylan Cousins would be fun. He kills the ball. 
Um, they have some pitching guys that are also hanging around, but I mean, those are a few guys to look out for. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Very nice. But let's, uh, we'll, uh, start to wrap things up, but quickly, because it is July 2nd and we've had now almost 48 hours of free agency in both hockey and basketball. Greg, what have you thought about it so far? What are your favorite deals? been such a wild and crazy uh which sport are we going here because this is we start with hockey hockey's easier to do because there aren't as many right now we'll start with hockey um so i mean i was super excited for the draft um you know i i the expansion draft sorry um very very pumped and and Wanted to see what was going to come down from it, see who they would take. Um, but in terms of moves since then, um, you know, I think that the Canadians have made some good moves. The Predators have uh, reloaded Benino. a little bit. What? Nick, Nick Benino yeah, to the Predators. Benino. I think that's huge. Yes, certainly. Benino moving over there. Um, you know, a big one, though, is... Uh, you know, this happened earlier in May, but um, Ben Bishop going to the sh- or going to the King, going to yeah, the, that is pretty big. Sorry, yeah, going to the Stars, right? No, it's to the Kings. To the Kings. Um, so he signed with them long term. I don't know what his contract status is, but it is huge. Um, I was yeah. surprised by that. I was very surprised by that. Um, to be honest, and. Well, I guess yeah, with Quick works. being in and out of the, the IR this year, I guess they're trying to just hedge that bet. Um, but who knows? Um, yeah, the goalie yeah. the goalie carousel has been interesting to see so far. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, certainly has been. Um, Some that came down to tonight, two big moves. Patrick Marlowe uh, leaving the Sharks, signing with the Maple Leafs. So he's, oh, I didn't I see that. Oh, yeah, looking shit. for him to be that sort of uh, the vet, the vet on that team, nineteen-year career, joining those all those young guys, and then the Capitals trading Johansson, um, and the fact that Shattenkirk, who I really wanted with the Bruins, Shattenkirk ended up um, with the Rangers. So, oh. but it seems, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, Jumbo Joe. Sh- sh- Signing a big one-year deal, but um, you know, for me, it's 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 been uh, it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind for sure. And the fact that uh, Shattenkirk is now a Ranger has hit me the most. Cause I wanted him in Boston, sort of return to to Boston for him, but. What do you think of Kovalchuk? Do you think he'll be playing for the Devils this year? Well, so the, the think he'll trade him to Vegas. Well, the big rumor was that that the Blue Jackets wanted to try to get him, <laughs> which I think would be nuts. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he does come back. The Devils, who knows what they would get for him? Because you you probably could get something, and they they certainly need. Some bits and pieces on that team. Uh, Come on, Jordy. Be professional for me. One time. I'm trying, man. You know, I'm trying. Um, excuse me on the yawn. But 
Yeah, to answer your question, I think Kovalchuk probably won't be a devil. I just I have some type of feeling there. Um, yeah, something something just says he won't be. I feel like they're going to try to flip him. Uh, but there's some free agent deals that I really like. I really like Benino to the Predators. Um, yeah, the Marlowe move, which I did not realize, but that is huge. Um, Shattenkirk to the Rangers just breaks my heart. I wasn't expecting him to the Flyers. Ron Hextall, I don't think, has wanted to go after big names, and he has the prospects that he just can let him move on up and do his deal. And he's got a, he's got a plan. He... He knows what he's doing. But, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how the rest of hockey free agency moves over, moves along. Because it's a little more of a slow burn than the flash in the pan that is the NBA free agency. Oh, for sure. And the NBA free agency has been... Uh, wild. Certainly, certainly a wild one. Oh, yeah. Um, Are you ready, Greg? And- and listen, we can talk about the the seventy six in a second, but let's let's go to the big <laughs> things here. Let's go to the big things here. So Lakers have met with not only Ray John Rondo, but uh, also Dion Waiters, who you know, for those who remember or don't know, was Syracuse alum, but also had a great year for the Miami Heat there in the second half of the he year. He did. He had a good year. Um. So while they did draft Lonzo Ball. You think they're looking for a little uh, starter versus backup, or a little uh, mentor? What do you think? What do you think the deal with them meeting all these point guards is? I would think it's probably more of a ladder type of situation, because I mean, you want to think that Ball, you have to have some type of insurance policy. He's not a good defender, and you you got to kind of figure. You need to bring in somebody that can show them the way. I mean that that they're the same in somewhat of the same boat that the Sixers are, where they don't have a ton of older guys, and they kind of right. need some. They need some veteran leadership to to teach them teach them the way. Right. Um, and the big team, uh, besides well, the team that well, from a Celtic standpoint, uh, Gordon Hayward says he's going to make a decision by Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. So let's uh yeah, the Celtics have always been trying to go after big names every year and, and seems goes back to Kevin Love, Kevin Durant now, uh here, but he, I never get my hopes up just in case and I'm pumped when they sign people. But what do you think about uh Milwaukee? Nope. Sorry, not Milwaukee, Minnesota. The Timberwolves making a ton of noise. Making they're a legit do you think they're a legit contender? In the West, so legit contender is a bit of a stretch. I think it's still the Warriors' show. Uh, I, it's hard to to play that or play up against them. But Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, that's Andrew Wiggins. That's a that's a hell of a squad, and I think they're going to keep making moves. Tibbs is plus plus they signed Jeff Teague. Yeah, Jeff Teague. Tibbs is a He's starting to be that that role that they wanted him to just be using that big name and going out and getting guys, and it's exciting to see. Um, but I think it's tough to match the Warriors at least for yeah. the next year because of and where West, where that money sits, you know. Right, and the West the West just revamped on everything. You know, they they 
you know, Chris Paul moving to the Rockets, and then now you got uh, Paul George going to the Thunder. Like, you know, I know Taj Gibson resigned with Minnesota, but you know that's or signed with Minnesota. But that's something that while Minnesota is making a ton of moves, the rest of the West is making a ton of moves, and the fact that the Warriors haven't really lost many people. Um, and is Durant restricted free agent or? Can he leave after this year, or did he sign a multi-year deal? No, he's technically he's he needs to re-sign, but I think he's a restricted free agent. Okay, um, that's fine. Yeah, but he's the point is that he's staying in Golden State. Yeah, and and you want to hear something funny that they're they're, they're floating around right now that rumor rumored out today. What? Uh, Swaggy P has been meeting with the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god! Can you imagine? He's been, he's been, he's been. Uh, yeah, they've been, they've been rumored to pick him up or go out and get a shooting guard. But Andre Iguodala resigning with the Warriors certainly helps the Warriors long term. And um, yeah, people just want to win, and and when it's fun, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it's it it's certainly fun to be a Warriors fan. Um. Yeah, and, and I think now we can now we can talk about your team. Oh boy, Greg, are you are you excited? Are you excited? The Feds plus Redick and Amir. Oh my God, Greg, it's gonna be so much fun. We're gonna have a blast. It's if Embiid stays healthy, which I think it's finally that glass ankle of his is the glass foot is gonna it's gonna become real. It's gonna become a real boy. And he's going to be great. J.J. Reddick's going to show him how to shoot the ball because a lot of them don't know how to shoot a basketball. Ironically, Joel Embiid might be the best shooter right now on that team. Well, now J.J. Reddick. You know, I mean, but they're getting some older guys in there. Brett Brown, he's got the Boston accent, so that's a, that's something you know that speaks to your heart. We're, we're, we're ready to bring you on, Greg. We're ready to bring you on to the process. Well, here's the thing, Jordy. I got a couple a couple qualms about this whole process, right? Yeah. Ben Simmons hasn't played a single second in the NBA. Oh, pour it on. Pour it on. How many first number one overall picks have been bust, especially recently? Oof. You well. Know? And how many... Philadelphia 76ers are going to be drafted that get hurt in their first or second year. Markel Fultz, I'm calling it, is going to get a season-ending injury. Oh, don't like jump everyone, on that train. Just like everyone else in their rookies. <laughs> moving on here. And the thing that irks me the most, I know you're JJ, you only like JJ Reddick because it's the whole Duke thing, but this dude signs a one-year deal for $23 million. One year, $23 million. They need to spend money, Greg. Greg, they haven't spent. Did you see what their contracts looked like before this? Listen, he tweets out, "Trust the process." You signed a one-year deal, JJ Reddick. Okay. One-year deal. Trust the process. And another thing, that, like you said, they have all this money. Why the hell are they spending twenty-three million dollars on JJ Reddick? They go out and get someone big. Go out and get a big name, JJ Reddick. Trust the process, please. Oh. Uh. Greg, I just need to bring you to a game. That's all you need. You need one game. That's all you Please. need. I will say Please. this. I will say this. And the thing I think that, that gives us at least the most excitement 
is the whole you sold out the season tickets and all that stuff. But I went to a bunch of games in the real, real depths of the shit. Real terrible times. And I think it was against like the the Dwight Howard Rockets when like Dwight Howard was still pretty good on that team. Oh yeah, what team is he on now? He's on the the Hornets. Uh, that was a trade, though. That was not free agency. But if you did not know that, he's not on the Hornets. Uh, but so this game, it's a couple of years ago, and the Sixers pulled the game into 10 points, and the crowd starts going absolutely nuts. And, Greg, the, the it had to be, like, honestly, like 30% capacity. Like, nobody was in the upper bowl. Uh, barely anybody. And they're all like, it sounded like it was a full house. And I turned to Emily and said, I think if whenever this does work out, if it's five years, 10 years, 50 years, these people are going to be there and they're going to be ready. And I, and I think that time is now the, the, even if the hype train doesn't get lived up to stop. The time is now. Listen to yourself. No, 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 no. I mean the time of like two got two rookies. This year, who are going to be sophomores next year? You're talking about Ben Simmons, who has. I'm talking been, about just the basketball and the NBA starting court, NBA game in 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 his whole career. You're talking about Michael Fultz, who's also a rookie, who will probably get hurt. You're talking about you guys signed JJ Redick, who, let's be honest, should not have an arm sleeve tattoo, and you signed Amir Johnson, who spent the last two seasons with the Celtics. And who got exposed, who can't offensive rebound. Not that you need that since you have so much height. But when your big guys get hurt, which they inevitably will, you're going to turn to Amir Johnson? Please. What I mean by the time is now, I just think there's not a lot going on in the historically championship-deprived but playoff, playoff-inhabitant Philadelphia this is this is a hope. This is something where we had something going on and this culture emerged. Because literally it's the people who aren't in Philly versus the people who are and, and bought into this and really believed into it. And I think what I mean by the time is now that at least we start to get a little more of the credit. It's not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen next year. It might be 2020. And Embiid Simmons 20. They're, they have some of those shirts. I think Barstool might make them. You might have seen them. But the process is real. Or actually, it's dead. Long live the process. It honestly sounds like 2020 is just going to be the year to win every single major Philly title. Yeah, I mean, the Flyers have Sam Warren coming up next year, who's just going to beat the shit out of everybody. The Phillies will eventually learn how to throw a baseball, so that'll happen. Uh, and we don't even, Greg. We we already know what the Wentz what the Wentz wagon's gonna do. It's Pennsylvania. <laughs> hey, you're out here. You're out here early in this pod talking about the Phillies in 2020. Now you're out here talking about the 76ers in 2020, and now the Wentz wagon. And oh. I mean, don't even get that me started on the Ginger on the Jesus, fire, Greg. Ginger Jesus is oh, he's something. I can't even I can't even deal with you anymore with this with this Philly love nonsense. But, yeah. but that's uh, why you come on. You have to keep me in check, and your my my love is just it's bursting through the seams. So I think that might mean it's time to wrap things up. Greg, do you have anything else for me? 
Yeah, I know we're not doing the stadium snacks or the or the from the gal or from the uh, from the the that, whatever bleacher creatures the grand, the from the gallery creatures. is a is a different podcast that you and I both enjoy. But the bleacher creatures, whatever, um, you know, there was a nice bleacher creature. Some guy today at the athletics game uh, was sitting up. Oh, I know this one. I saw this. There, he got three different baseballs in the span of. Now, throughout the whole game, I forget the exact amount of time, but three different baseballs, two back to back, and it, he didn't move his seat at all. He, he didn't. He didn't run around the stadium doing that whole crazy stuff. He was. He was one seat the whole game. Caught three different foul balls. So yeah, that's that's a a quick a quick return to baseball ending. Yeah, uh, from me. We'll follow up on the bleacher creature. There was also the Brewers player yesterday. Who a guy is holding up his little batting helmet of ice cream? You know those that they sell. Yeah. Um, this is a mix stadium snack, batting helmet, ice cream. Definitely a go-to anywhere you go. But he's holding up his, and he's like looking, like he's talking to his wife or something, looking left, and just holding it up, you know, with, behind his eyesight. And this Brewers player comes up and takes a scoop of it and eats it. Do you see that video? Um, no, but I. Sounds sounds pretty. Uh, like you're, it'd be you holding the batting helmet in your right hand. And you're like looking to your left, talking to your buddies or your girlfriend or whomever. And this baseball, you just feel like a your hand get pushed down a little bit, and you look, and a baseball player is eating your ice is just taking a bite out of your ice cream bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's one for you. The one stadium snack that I did throw up on the the Instagram of the Thunder blog. It was uh, not quite stadium snack, but it was worth putting up there. It was uh, a little lobster that I got today. Lobster, a little clam chowder. Went full New England, Greg. It was it was nice to have. Uh, New England, New England lobster roll, huh? Well, no, it was an actual lobster. Uh, Emily got the lobster roll and loved it. I got actual lobster. Um, and a little little chowder. Yeah, save save on the bread. Smart, good for you. Yeah, you know, I'm, got a little bit of the punch going. I want to try to lose that. Save the carbs for beer. <laughs> oh, Jordy. Well, let's, let's st- stay young, bud. It's it, let's uh, let's <clears throat> let's try and close this off before it hits uh, midnight here. Yeah, we should. Uh, yeah, nothing really too much going on. We mentioned 4th of July this week. Uh, the uniforms, which we haven't even mentioned, for the celebration have been incredible, but keep an eye out for those. If you do get a chance to go to a game on the 4th of July, it is quite the spectacle, a good time. But enjoy the week. Hopefully you are listening to this before the 4th of July. If it is after, because you've been relaxing like Greg and I have been, uh, thank you for at least doubling back to uh, take the time to listen to us. But as always, go like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Go follow us on Twitter. Go check out the blog and the uh, various different posts that come up, mainly my nightly roundups, which is my new series that I've been writing every night. Love to get some more feedback on it and getting some great stuff now. But, Greg, thank you again for coming on. Always. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. You know, you are uh, your mainstay here. You are not just you've gone from recurring guest status to uh, basically recurring host. <laughs> Big fan. Big, Big fan. fan of the pod. Um, 
even enjoy the solo one from last week. Yeah, the solo uh, ones, uh, they have their place. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, big fan of your work and, uh, always have been and always will be. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And with that, we'll wrap things up. For the bullpen cart, this is the G-Man with Greggy P saying goodnight. Have a good week, everybody.